Welcome to season three of Sorting Pen, the California Cattlemen podcast. Every day, the California Cattlemen's Association is sorting through the issues impacting California's ranching families and producers. To communicate those issues, discuss solutions, and keep ranchers current on the hot topics, CCA leadership developed this podcast and is continuing it in 2023. In each episode, we will be talking with CCA leadership and leading experts on issues specific to ranching and producing beef in California. Tune in every other Monday to hear updates on legislative and regulatory fronts in Sacramento, deep dives into current events, challenges, and more. Welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen podcast. We are off to the races in 2023. Today, I'm super fortunate to be sitting down with California State Treasurer Fiona Ma at her office. Fiona, thanks for having us and for joining us and just being willing to be on our podcast, directly talking to the state's beef producers and ranching community. A good portion of our members have probably met you, but I'm excited for them to hear from you if they have not, and even if they have met you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been at a lot of our steak and egg breakfasts in the past when they used to happen. You were at our convention just back in December. I know a lot of our ranchers have been really excited to have you out on ranch tours. But today, I just kind of wanted to chat with you about what it is that you do, how you can help ranchers, kind of how you got connected with CCA in the industry. Okay, so I, I guess we'll start with when I was in... Let's start with where I grew up. Yeah. I was born in New York City, grew up on Long Island, uh, went to school in Rochester, didn't even think about agriculture at all. Then I moved to San Francisco uh, back in 1988. And again, San Francisco is not a big agriculture producing city and county. Sure. So didn't think about it, except that, you know, you get your food from Safeway. And then when I got to the legislature in 2006, one of my goals was to sit on as many committees as I could, because that's where all of the meat and potatoes happens, you know, at the committee level, not on the floor. And so after two years, uh, in 2009, I asked to sit on the, the Agriculture Committee. And that's really where my journey started. I've got five pages of ag tours. And so I'm going back to uh, 2008, when I went to the Cameron Dairy in Hanford. And I started going, wow, like, being a dairy producer, you know, producing milk, it is so complicated and it's so related to what's going on in the environment. Uh, the amount of food they eat, uh, water, everything, right? Really That's depends intense. on, yeah. So then it led to all of these different tours. And one of the first ones I went on was Reimer's uh, Ranch in Glen County. Uh, learned a little bit about some of the agencies and how ranchers don't really want agencies to be on their property. Went to the Harris Feed Lot in Fresno. I even went to the Shasta Livestock Auction Yard in Shasta County awesome. that year. And I like to sit in the front. Like I was one of those students that sits in the front of the room. And so I was sat in the front of the room and everyone goes, you don't want to sit in the front of the room. Let's go sit in the back. And sure enough, the cattle came all out and, and they like sprayed everything. You figured in, out in the why front. pretty quickly. I, I know. And they were like all laughing at me. But you know, those are the days when I would come like dressed up in a suit and high heels still. And then I learned, ah, I better start getting my cowboy uh, gear together and uh, since then, you know, I've done uh, tours on the uh, Rymers Ranch in Glen County, Rankin Ranch in Kern. Recently went to Inyo with Mark Lacey and Tom Talbot, and then also Billy Flournoy in Modoc. And he's been trying to get me up uh, to his ranch, you know, since my first egg and steak breakfast back in 2009. So I've learned a lot about the industry and how the ranchers are really amazing stewards of the land. Many of them are many generation farmers, you know, landowners here that care about their property. And of course, this drought really has impacted them, especially uh, as I saw up in Inyo and Modoc 
County firsthand of how these droughts have been impacting the ranchers. So that's kind of my ranching introduction. Since then, I am now the state treasurer. I am the banker. All of the revenues come into my office. Last year was $3.2 trillion. And then I also invest the state's idle funds and issue all the bonds for the state of California, the UC, CSU, and community colleges. I also chair 13 boards, commissions, and authorities that funds and finances affordable housing, charter schools, hospitals, children's hospitals and grants, public transportation, green energy, uh, et cetera. And then we have a lot of programs that helps agriculture, the farmers and the ranchers either try to put in more green financing, uh, go green financing programs that helps them save money, Um, the small business programs coming from the USDA or the U.S. Small Business Administration, just trying to educate and get the information out so that um, that they don't miss out on some of these, you know, free grants, especially that came out of the pandemic. I think probably a lot of our listeners have a very different background. Um, I don't know if any of our listeners that grew up in New York City and then moved to San Francisco, but it's great to hear how you did get involved in agriculture and you've stayed connected. And also to hear about your role as state treasurer. I think for me, I know I see your name and the position on the ballot, but I don't know exactly what a state treasurer does. So what does a day-to-day look like for you? Um, Every day is different. Uh, As you can imagine, like it starts with how much cash we get in. So we have to invest every day. And then uh, my job is chairing the different boards that I have. I also sit on CalPERS, CalSTRS, California Earthquake Authority, the iBank, California Housing Finance. So every week, there's different issues that we are addressing. That's usually Monday, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. And then Thursday, Friday, I like to get out into the communities. And that's when I go on all these tours. I visit businesses uh, and the like. So um, this is a great job. As long as you don't like doing the same thing every day, I wake up and I go to sleep. That's about the only thing that's consistent every day. So you were elected in 2018. Prior to that, you were in the assembly and worked with the Board of Equalization. What made you want to be California State Treasurer? Um, I never thought that that was going to be my path. 20 years ago, I got elected to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, and I really wanted to be in public service. That really tugged my, you know, my heartstrings. Um, However, I am a certified public accountant specializing in real estate, and my parents were really happy that I was a CPA, an accountant. I had my own (laughs) firm. They were not happy about me going into politics because anyone can run for politics. That is turned out to be my calling. And now that I am the treasurer, I'm actually using all of my educational degrees, you know, my my private sector experience and also my public sector experience. So I think I'm qualified, highly qualified for this job. And I feel very comfortable now in my going into my second term. Absolutely. I think I might have read that you're the first California state treasurer that is a CPA. I'm the first woman CPA and the first woman of color. So I think the third elected woman ever. Awesome. With that said, I know we mentioned that a lot of our members either probably met you. We were fortunate to have you speak at convention in December. Maybe they met you when we had our legislative days. But what has made you want to connect with the California Cattlemen's and the ranching community? I know you talked about getting on the ag committee, but you have taken kind of an interest, it seems, to connecting really personally with ranchers. Um, Even in the last year, I think two of those tours you just mentioned were in the last six months or so. I love riding horses. And so when uh, these ranchers uh, approach me to come and visit, I'm always like, can we ride a horse? And so all of our tours now are on horseback. They don't let me run 
very much. I like to, you know, like actually like run. Get going. Then they're always like walking, but it doesn't matter. It just definitely is a different perspective uh, seeing the property and, and talking to the ranchers or the board of supervisors, uh, city council members that come out with us when you're on horseback, right? It's like a captive audience. You can't get on your phone. You, know, you can't take a little break. I mean, you are like yeah, by there. side by side. And uh, the landscape was amazing in Modoc and Inyo and you know, you could probably see some of the pictures on my Facebook site. Um, but that's kind of what, what I do. I'm just very curious. And when there's an issue like the drought, you know, how does it affect different industries? I still did a lot of different tours of different ag ranches and farms, but cattle is a little bit different because also the fires that we've had. And so this is a fire mitigation tool, you know, that the cows go, you know, out there and, and graze. I mean, then of course you have the sheep and the goat that are also, you know, fire reduction tools. It takes a lot. It takes a lot to raise cattle and the whole sale system. And it comes down to food. I like to have my food grown in California where it is, you know, safe. It is fresh. You can see and touch and, and go and see where the food is grown. And I think that is really, really important. And I spent a lot of time when I was in the legislature trying to protect the Williamson Act because the Williamson Act is a great tool to make sure that farmers and ranchers are able to stay on their land and afford to stay on their land. And I'm disappointed that we stopped the subventions in 2010. And I hope that one day we will get back to it. I think two years ago when we had a surplus, maybe that was the time to kind of bring this back. Because I do think after the pandemic, we see how important it is that we are as independent, as self-sufficient as possible and not dependent on other countries for anything that we need, especially the basic necessities like food. I know nothing really probably excites our members more than hearing you say you want to be horseback. I know the members at Enyo were really excited when you offered to come and they could get you on a horse. That's a great way. But also we were just chatting a little bit about you're actually allergic to horses. <laughs> I am. I'm the, that's the only thing I'm allergic to is horses. But my last name is Ma, which means horse in Chinese. I was also born in the year of the horse, uh, the Chinese horoscope year. And I win all my big races in the year of the horse. So, you know, that is a lucky <laughs> sign for me and, and you know, an animal. But that is the one thing that I'm allergic to. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you still wanting to get out on the ranches and even be around horses. Is there anything that you've taken away from the tours that you were maybe really surprised about that you want to share or any perceptions that you maybe had corrected or really learned during part of your time on a ranch tour in California? Um, I, th I think in the last tour uh, that I went to in Inyo, um, where they had separated the mothers and the babies together, um, what we call them? Calves. Uh, calves. Um, and you never really think about that, right? That you have to like separate and then how long it takes to wean them off. And then when they actually are weaned off, that there is like this depression period yeah. and you just don't think about it because you think about it in human beings, but then you start talking to them and you go, well, this is really what happens. And then the way that the farmers and the ranchers navigate the water that comes in, right? There's like a series of little, what are they called? Ditches or, you know, and they use this, cardboard that they open yeah. and close. It's very I mean, it's, it's weird to watch irrigating process. Yeah. The dams. 
exactly. Yeah. And I was like, this is how this works. And they're like, yeah, you know, when it fills up, then we open this one and it fills up the next uh, plot of land. And, um, you know, you don't think about it because normally when you go to a, a farm, you know, they're spraying or, yeah. um, you know, the water is going, you see the water, but this is really to grow the grass for them. And then the way that they were, you know, resting under the trees at certain times and they have certain habits and where they go for the water and the food and, it was just very, very beautiful. They were all like the same color. You know, at that time, they were all black. Um, and just seeing them move amongst the trees and the mountains in the background. But I, I learned a lot about uh, ranching from that tour, especially. Yeah, it sounds like it. I know watching irrigation does seem, seems like, shouldn't it be a little more complex than just pulling a board out? And people don't know that if you're driving down maybe in a rural road, that's not just green because it rained. That's been irrigated. And then um, in Inyo, especially, all the land, I guess, is owned and all the resources are owned by the L.A. Uh, right. Department of Water and Power. And so understanding that relationship and being the biggest landowner and also trying to share the resources and make sure the ranchers have the available land and water and everything else that they need. And, you know, just that uh, conflict sometimes Absolutely. that happens. I wouldn't even have thought about it had I not gone out there that you know, the city of Los Angeles actually is the biggest landowner out there. Yeah, it seems like if that was a question on Jeopardy, I'd say no. Right. It's not the city right. of Los Angeles, but that's a special situation. The U.S. federal government or the BLM, yes, sure, yeah. but, but definitely not the city. And, and just having the employees out there that aren't necessarily right. ranchers and farmers, where they don't hire ranchers and farmers, I think there is that disconnect. Yeah, and that's something you would never know if you didn't go to Bishop or Bridgeport and learn that. Exactly which is something I've even just enjoyed hearing about what you learned on your last tours, but you're very connected with the rural communities, even just with our ranching communities. How can we get other political leaders in Sacramento and beyond, as well as just someone in Los Angeles or other Californians that live in urban areas? How can we help them make that connection as well? Because you seem to have really enjoyed it. Yeah, so I started actually going to the Cow Palace. Probably heard my story, Seth Dalton and uh, Cotton Rosser, uh, they always do the rodeo every year at the Cow Palace. And they came to my office to visit me back in 2008. Arnold Schwarzenegger was trying to sell the Cow Palace right. along with other properties. And they said, well, um, why don't, you know, we're going to go to do the rodeo. And I said, why don't you invite me? And I went down for the rodeo and they announced me saying, Fiona Ma, our new assemblywoman, is going to save the Cow Palace. And so I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. Everyone like cheered. I, yeah, everyone cheered. And I said, OK, like, what do we do to save the Cow Palace? And so that was the first time I started to understand how important the fairgrounds are. We have 78 fairgrounds in California. And I would say invite your urban legislators to a fair. Let's start there. Right. And then I love going to the animal pens where they're, yeah. you know, all the FFA and uh, 4-H kids are like showing and they're so proud. I mean, that's kind of where it started. I go, wow, this is really like California. And they're like, yeah, we grow 400 different products. And I was like, where? Yeah. Like where? Like I just stayed On in San Francisco. Town? Yeah. Like in, in San Mateo. And you don't even go to the rural places you drive sure. by and you take it for granted. So I would say like invite them to a fair, get them involved. And then secondly, invite them to a tour. And I have found that everybody is really honest once you get out there. Many generations, like I said, even the people that work for them have been with their family for many right. generations. So uh, the perception is that, oh, all farmers waste water. They spray pesticides and, uh, you know, all these chemicals all over. And 
This is their property. They live and work there. Their longtime employees live and work there. They put them through school. They don't want to poison anyone. Sure. And it's a business. Yeah. It's a business. So they're not going to waste water because they have to pay for the water. They have to pay for whatever, uh, you know, pesticides. So they don't want to waste that either. But that is definitely the perception when it comes to agriculture. Um, I grew up in a ranching family. I'm a fifth generation. We hear it a lot. We take care of the land. It takes care of us. And I think that's kind of to your point. We're not going to waste water. We need that, especially during a drought. And you don't get rewarded when you do save money, right? Um, You get penalized. And like up in Modoc, this whole half of the city was dry. And that used to be a site where the birds would land uh, from the north or from the south. And because it it was dry, it's not polluted, but it's uh, like toxic. Sure. Right. And so they can't even land anymore. So it's messing up the migration for all the birds and the ducks and everything. And so I think we just need to think a little bit more if we're going to conserve water and how and who's going to be impacted by that and I think if you don't understand agriculture and don't value it, then you don't think about whether you're going to, you know, fallow land and shut off a dam or a water source, which is what happened up in Modoc. That's absolutely true. California, the fifth largest economy in the world. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of things I don't know about, so I don't expect everyone to understand the cattle industry and agriculture. But I do think CCA has been working really hard to communicate all ranchers provide the ecosystems, what cattle do. We talked about how cattle reduce fine fuels through grazing. We talked about cattle can sequester carbon. They do a lot of things on open spaces like California's love that they might not even recognize. What do you think the future of ranching kind of looks like in the state, maybe in the next 10 years? A lot of the family farmers, the next generation like you, uh, are still actively involved. I would say we need to uh, continue to advocate at the legislature um, when there's legislative advocacy day. The California cattle women are amazing. Um, They do a lot in the community. So for the women legislators, send the women down, right? And that was something that I found when I was talking to a lot of these groups is like, you need to send the people that look like that legislator down because otherwise those stigma and those impressions are going to be wrong. Right. And so that's what I would say is because I would sit in a room and I say, that's great. You know, I'm a woman. I know I'm a Democrat from San Francisco, but this whole room is full of men. Like, where are the women? I'd like to meet the women. And then they start sending the cattle women down, you know, and the women, uh, California women for ag to my office. And then they would say, oh, why don't you come out? And then so that kind of breaks the barrier sometime. And for you, you're the next generation, right? There's a lot of young people now getting elected in the legislature. So you should come. And you should go and do those uh, legislative meetings, set up those meetings yourself and say, hey, I'm a fifth generation. Why don't you come out? And they'll be like, oh, really? You're still doing agriculture and you can explain to them how difficult it is, but how beautiful it is. Right. And how it's not consistent. It's so dependent on the weather, the sun and the rain and the cold and the heat. And it really is truly an art. And all of you are entrepreneurs right? Some years is good. Some years is bad. It's not really consistent versus us in government, right? Every day we go to a government job, we get paid, right? It's just different. That's a really easy takeaway if anyone's listening. And we've been wanting to get our legislative day back. We've had a lot of questions of when are we going to bring it back? So people are anxious to come to Sacramento. But I think we tend to send, for instance, my dad. My dad knows the most about the ranch. He's been there the longest. He's great. He's actually on our board. Like you said, sending him to every office might not be the best. 
So for all of you young people listening, don't just send your parents. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when the uh, fair comes around, I don't think people really appreciate the fair. But once you go, it is one of the best, most affordable, family-friendly activities still in California. And it is like Americana. But bringing them to, you know, the animal, the petting zoo and where the uh, livestock is, is probably the best and my favorite. And so that's what you all should encourage them to come, come and like, uh, you know, go to the pie eating contest or whatever it is that will attract them, but then do that walk around. And I think they will see that there's a lot of young people that are engaged and really care about cattle ranching, especially. Yeah. And for a lot of people, you're right. That really is where it starts. You can start for 4-H taking an animal at 10 years old. So if you start at 10 and take nine animals until you're 18 or 19. I mean, those are little entrepreneurs in the making. You know, they have to spend their own money. They have to raise their own money. I mean, it goes toward their college education. It's a great experience for them. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up as well. So two easy things you can do to connect uh, more with your leaders in Sacramento. I want to talk a little bit more about your job and how you've helped ranchers in the past. I know ranchers have called your office and they've helped them with things. Are there any tax issues or issues that you've had ranchers call about that you and your office have been able to help with that you think might be helpful for our listeners to know about? Yeah, back in the legislature, there was a Diane Feinstein proposal that would either exempt or create less estate tax if family-owned farms left their property to the next generation. And I was very supportive of that because I heard from uh, farmers and ranchers that a lot of times the tax uh, implications of an estate will force families to have to sell their property. So I I definitely think that there should be a carve out as long as they're keeping it as a family farm and growing uh, produce that's, you know, feeding uh, people. We've run into other issues about obviously water, being able to let the powers to be know that this is not only impacting, you know, their local farmers, but also the wildlife that is in the region. So I don't think I think there's a disconnect. Like people think, oh, you grow rice, you're wasting water. Actually, rice uses less water than tomatoes. The land that the rice is growing on actually adds as a landing place for the fowl and and the birds and actually is like a great win-win situation for both of them. But people don't know that. And so they go, oh, look at them. They're wasting so much water. Like they don't waste water, like I said. We recently helped another family who were going to lose their property because the parents left the property to the kids, but then the kids formed a LLC. And the assessor said that it was different, even though it was the kids in an LLC to protect themselves, right, from creditors. But then they were going to try to reassess their property when the parents died, even though essentially they were the same. So we did pass a law that, you know, recognize that if they are still the heirs and they form an LLC, that it's still the same parent to child. There was just a technicality. Uh, Yeah, a technicality. So sometimes we get those type of calls and we're able to fix those. Day to day, are there any other Uh, minor things that people might not know to call your office about that they could? I think whatever it is they're they're facing and some of the problems, the challenges um, that they may have. And I know in the past, you know, there's been a reduction in taxes for like farm equipment, like tractors. Some of them want to bring it back. I know when you're transporting cattle across state lines, the weight is different. So if you're going to 
put cattle on in Nevada and drive it to right. California. I mean, the weight is different. And what are you going to do? Like offload cattle to get to the other state. I mean, it's stuff like that, that you bring it up to us. Then we say, well, we should actually have conformity so that it actually saves time, saves money, greenhouse gases. You know, if you're going to have to keep changing trucks and offloading, unloading, that's more truck trips that you have. I mean, little things like that. I'm like, oh, wow, we should really fix that. And so then I will make the calls to the governor or whoever the legislator is or, or the agency and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. Like, we should really rethink this. Right. Like in actual practice, this doesn't add up at all. Right. Right. And it makes their job difficult. It just creates problems because of the inconsistency in, in rules and regulations amongst the states. That was a really helpful example. Yep. As we're just starting the year, I just wanted to talk quickly on California's economy. What should listeners know as we go out throughout 2023, kind of the state of California's economy? During COVID, I was kind of surprised that we had a surplus um, for uh, that. The first year of COVID 2020, we had a $45 billion surplus. And then the next year in 2021, we had about a 90 billion dollar surplus. Like, how does that happen when everybody is home? Well, a lot was happening. Stock markets, people are selling stocks. Uh, there were still IPOs, stock bonuses and options, especially during the in, in the tech industry. Right. And then people were home, so they didn't leave the state. So they were still buying things in the state. They were buying, you know, RVs and cars and still buying food at, you know, at this end. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And they were staying here in the state and spending money. And so we saw huge spikes in personal income tax as well as sales taxes. So now that things are slowing down, which is what the federal government wants by raising rates right. and slowing the economy down, it is slowing down. And that's why we see this, this deficit. Right now it's about $22.5 billion estimated deficit, but we just started, right? We've got six sure. more months in this fiscal year. Things could improve. You just never know. And I'm hoping that once the Fed stop raising rates, that people will get back out there and start spending again. And then that's when we see a change in the the revenues of the state. So it could balance out a little. It could balance out, yeah. It is pretty interesting. Obviously, COVID and the onset of COVID was a wild time, but I'm sure no one predicted that much of a surplus, like you said. Yeah, and and we thank Governor Jerry Brown, right? He was very frugal. He cut all of our credit cards up, basically, you know, pay down all of our debts and put more money into our rainy day funds. And Governor Gavin Newsom has continued to put money into our rainy day funds. So we have about 30 Three billion dollars in rainy day reserves. Hopefully, we won't have to use it, but it does create some sort of peace of mind. One last question: If you could go anywhere in the state on a tour, where would you want to go? If there's a county you haven't been yet um, on a ranch, which county are you wanting to get out and see? I've pretty much been to every county now. On a ranch tour? No, I mean I've just been to Modoc, Inyo, Kern, Glen, uh, and Santa Barbara. Are there any tour. spots left in the state that you're really thinking I want to see how a ranch operates in this part of the state? Invite me. That's the, that's what I, I do. So please invite me. Um, I'm open to seeing and uh, experiencing all sorts of, you know, new experiences. So, yes, I, I, I want to go to all the counties. And I know there's probably a good 25 or 30 counties that uh, have ranching op- operations. So I've only done a couple. Um, but I know that in the Williamson Act, for example, 52 of the 58 counties participate still in the Williamson Act. So uh, there's a lot of counties I haven't been to. 
Okay, great. We can set it up all the way, pretty much all the way from the top of the state, Humboldt and Siskiyou all the way down. Sure. Um, if you're interested, contact our office and we can put you in touch. Great. Awesome. Well, we'll let you get back. I'm sure you have plenty to do, but we really do appreciate your time, um, not just today, but coming to our convention and staying connected with our members and just making sure that we know that you really care about our issues and care about the people producing food in California. And if anyone has any issues or questions or anything that I can help with, uh, I have a dedicated email and that, that is askfiona at treasure.ca.gov. Again, askfiona at treasure.ca.gov. And Catherine Asprey, that's all she does is, is manage our constituent, make sure they get uh, assistance or are connected to the resources that they need. Absolutely. We'll be sure to link that in the podcast description as well. Great. Perfect. Thank, Thank you, you so again. Much. Yeah. Okay.